football fans. It's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, TJ Reed. Well, happy 2020 wherever you are tuned in. It is the only digital radio show devoted exclusively to the underdogs. Of course, we are back in the new year. I am your somewhat capable host, somewhat rested after a wild football weekend. Had the opportunity to go all the way to Dallas, Texas, from where I am in Florida to be part of the alma mater. Go Tigers, go. The Memphis Tigers and Penn State in the uh, latest edition of the Cotton Bowl is a 2019 Cotton Bowl because played right before the start of the new year. Penn State deserves a lot of credit, but I'm proud of my guys. Uh, Brady White and, and Memphis hung in. No they, no, they didn't win. They didn't cover. I was nervous about that last week on Three Dog Thursday right after Christmas. Didn't end up taking the Tigers, so but still, they, they hung in toe-to-toe with Penn State. Something to be said for that. We'll talk more about that with one of our guests coming up uh, here shortly uh, here on the podcast. And then what a blowout for LSU right after that in the Peach Bowl, the annihilation of Oklahoma. Uh, stunning that Joe Burrow would be able to throw for seven touchdown passes in a game, much less in the first half of the game of the blowout win over Oklahoma. And then a dandy matchup, Clemson and Ohio State. I, I will talk more about this with our guests coming up here in a little bit. But enough of the belly aching from the Ohio State fans about the officiating. The bottom line is Clemson outplayed the Buckeyes. And Ohio State had chances to win that game and could not get it done. Uh, shoulda, coulda, woulda. And Clemson showed why they're Clemson right now. As the defending champs, they earned their way into that championship game by outplaying an Ohio State team that led them by two touchdowns earlier in the game and came from behind and beat them out in the desert. Yet another Clemson win, just like the beatdown they gave to Ohio State back four years ago in the college football playoff. So that kind of sets the stage for LSU and Clemson. We've got much more time to talk about that because, again, I don't know that I'm a big fan of taking the extra week here, but that's what they're going to do for the college football playoff and not play the title game until January the 13th, Monday night. So time to really build that one up upcoming uh, for college football playoff purposes. So in any event, uh, by the way, we did well with the bowl games late last week as uh, Brian Edwards uh, hopped on and gave you Louisiana Tech and Eastern Michigan in the two matchups post-Christmas on the Thursday with Louisiana Tech winning that ugly Independence Bowl over Miami. And then the Quick Lane Bowl, the former Motor City Bowl, was won by uh, Pitt, but Eastern Michigan able to cover. They hung in out of the MAC. So that was a couple of bowl wins for Brian. I came up with the Virginia Cavaliers in the Monday Night Orange Bowl. So another bowl win uh, that totals three. We go back to the previous week of bowl games uh, as well here on the program, and we came up uh, with three other ones. So that's six bowl winners if you've been listening the last two weeks on Three Dog Thursday. Uh, And we'll have plenty of time to talk about that championship game in more detail next week. We'll get to it with some of our guests here coming up. Chris Giannini will be here from the Sports Gambling uh, uh, Show, Winning Cures Everything. That's their show, winningcureseverything.com is their site. 
he and Gary Seegers uh, breaking down college football in the NFL. So Chris will be here. He's a big LSU guy. He's obviously thrilled with what the Tigers were able to do in that Peach Bowl romp over Oklahoma. So Chris will have his thoughts. We're going to talk some NFL playoffs in the middle segment with Sal Capaccio. Love Sal Sports. Uh, One of my uh, favorite guys to bring on the podcast. Love his insight from Buffalo. He's part of the Bills radio broadcast, WGR Radio in Western New York. Anxious to talk with Sal about Buffalo Bills. Does anybody circle the wagon like the Buffalo Bills anymore in the playoffs? Buffalo and the Houston Texans. That one coming Saturday to kick off the wild card weekend of NFL playoff action. What kind of shot do the Bills really have in this matchup? Sal will have details on that. I'll get his feelings about Sean McDermott, the coach, Josh Allen, the quarterback. That is coming up here on Three Dog Thursday. And then speaking of Sean, Sean Green will be here, Sports Gambling Podcast. Sean will be on the program talking about his Philadelphia Eagles, of course, clinching the NFC East, KOing the Dallas Cowboys by virtue of their win over the Giants last weekend. So Philly in to play the final game of the Wild Card Weekend against the Seattle Seahawks as a home underdog now in this matchup. So let's see what happens with the Wild Card Weekend. And of course, uh, teams right now like the Packers and the Saints, uh, as well as the Ravens and the Chiefs sitting back and waiting on the Divisional Weekend next weekend for what happens in these matchups. And how about the Dolphins beating the Pats? On the final Sunday of the NFL regular season, there were some shockers including the Dolphins winning in New England to cost the Patriots a bye. Not the playoff spot, not the division, but cost them a bye by beating them on Ryan Fitzpatrick, throwing the game-winning touchdown in the final 30 seconds. How does that happen to New England? It's the first time in a decade they will play on the first weekend of the NFL postseason. So it shows the standard that they've set, and are the Patriots maybe in trouble here, not just for the for the one individual game with the Titans, but having to be on the road for the next two without the bye week, uh, it's going to be problems. It looks like now for New England to be able to get back to the Super Bowl and defend their title. So plenty to talk about here with all of these different uh, matchups in the NFL playoffs and predictions. Uh, Three Dog Thursday, by the way, brought to you in part by our friends at Vivid Seats. And whether you're talking about these bowl games, that championship game at the Louisiana Superdome, the Mercedes-Benz Superdome that's coming up, LSU and Clemson, that's a week from Monday, depending on when you're hearing us. June the 13th, or June, January the 13th, 2012. We're not going to have to wait till June. January the 13th, get your tickets at Vivid Seats and the Vivid Seats mobile app. Hop on that mobile app, and it'll take you less than a couple of minutes to sign up, and you've got an opportunity to get a, an additional 10% off if you're a first-time user with our promo code Thursday10. Excuse me. Thursday10 is the promo code uh, there with Vivid Seats. That takes 10% off your initial order. If you're a first-time user, Thursday10 gets you 10% off, and it works for the NFL playoff games this weekend, whether it's the game in Houston, Bills and Texans, The Pats and the Titans, always a tough ticket in New England at Foxborough. Use Vivid Seats. Use the promo code THURSDAY10. Viking Saints in the Superdome. Eagles, Seahawks, Lincoln Financial Field in uh, Philadelphia. Vivid Seats, the the, the great customer service, 100% protection on your order through Vivid Seats. Use our promo code THURSDAY10 and take 10% off with Vivid Seats. Let's get to the guests. Let's get to the underdogs. All of that upcoming right here with lots of bowl conversation and also NFL uh, playoff conversation going as well here on the program. Let's go. 
He's leading off, and we get to say Happy New Year to the guys from Winning Cures Everything, the podcast, the YouTube show. Happy 2020 to Chris Giannini, hanging out on the first Three Dog Thursday of the new year. We are wasting no time, my friend, delving into the underdogs right after New Year's Day uh, here on January the 2nd. And depending on when you're hearing us on the weekend, we've got bowl games that are finishing up in college football. Championship game looming a week from Monday, as I keep mentioning. And uh, NFL playoffs big on the brain starting this weekend and all the way through the Super Bowl. First of all, you survived. I've not talked to you for a couple weeks. You survived the holidays, Christmas time, New Year's. You remain intact and upright, and that's good. That's right. Yep, everything's good. Had a great holiday. And uh, I'm ready to get back to uh, picking some games. Yeah, no doubt about that. I was in Dallas for the Cotton Bowl. I made mention of this in the open here before getting to the guest segments uh, and had a fantastic time. And I believe, again, I'll repeat, Memphis has nothing to be ashamed of with how hard they played against a good powerhouse, power five type program in Penn State. Those are my thoughts. You're there in the Mid-South in that area. You are not a Memphis guy. You're not in the bag for Memphis like I am. What What are your thoughts, just kind of looking back real quick on that Cotton Bowl? Oh, completely agree with that. No, they've got nothing to be ashamed of. Not only do they have nothing to be ashamed of, they should be crazy proud for how they played this season and, 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 and how everything went down. Um, I, I had family there as well. My, my mom, my stepdad, and my stepsister were there. Uh, so, yeah, they, they, were, they were there rocking, rocking the Memphis blue and, uh, and supporting the home team. Um, and this is the best season in Memphis history. Yep. And, uh, and, and I absolutely think this is probably one of the best teams in Memphis history. Um, I, if my, if, if, if the history doesn't happen and Norvell doesn't take the, uh, the, the Seminole job, I absolutely think a Norvell coach team wins this game. He had some type of weird way about him to where Brady White, when he would make these dumb mistakes, he knew how to just like a wizard, just get inside his head <laughs> and get him to calm down, see the light, play great, and after mistakes, he would come back and always be able to fix things and make huge plays. And he just couldn't do it, and he just can't make a mistake after right. mistake after mistake. Well, and in fairness, and, and, in and fairness, Chris, so sure. Some of that's Penn State, though, too. That's the best team Memphis has played all year, by far, a Power 5 program. And and you've gotten away with those mistakes in the past against American Conference teams, and you know that. And they got away with it against Ole Miss in a low-scoring game, but Ole Miss was bad this year in the SEC. You're just you're practically going to have to play a game like what UCF played against Auburn a couple of years ago, or when Utah beat Alabama. You're going to basically have to be four quarters almost mistake-free because there's a talent disparity, there's a size and strength disparity a lot of times across the board. And you're not going to beat them when you turn it over critically, and and I think that I think that showed up too. I think that's fair, don't you? That Penn State, True. you're no, not going to get away with it. Yeah. No, I agree. But I mean, I actually think he could have made some of those mistakes, and if he doesn't make the later ones, and he makes those plays, they're still in that game. And 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 I I mean I don't know that they had to play perfect because yes, they are bigger and they are stronger than Memphis, but they weren't faster, and 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 I don't know that. Those guys wanted it more than Memphis did. They they just he just made a lot of mistakes and, and it happens. It's just what happens. 
um, in a game sometimes, and, and they get bigger than you. And and it's also one of those things that if you're a Florida State fan and you've got a lot of guys around there that are, you should be absolutely ecstatic about the man coming in to coach your football team because he's he's able to find ways to just get through to kids that are struggling. Well, and that you're going to have that in the middle of games. Well, and, and for Florida State, this is going to probably be a couple of years before they are really relevant again because the talent disparity again there is, I mean, it's down and they're in disarray. And uh, there are some at FSU that, that, are, that are of the fan base and the belief that he's going to immediately make them a 9- or 10-win team. That is one of the coaching jobs of 2020. I'm saying that right now, right off the bat, in early January, that if Mike Norvell can get them around 9 or 10 wins in as much disarray as they have been in, that's a remarkable coaching job. It's one of the coaching jobs of the year especially when he's implementing new systems. He's going to fumigate some of the players. They're going to be gone. you got to replace them. I, I think they're, they're going to be fortunate to be like 7-5 and five next year. But we'll see. We'll see if Norvell can get well, a 10th I, win or an 11th. I don't think an 11th or a 12th win is realistic, but maybe they can get to 9. Oh, that, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about that, but I think he's good enough to do it, and the conference isn't that bad. I don't know who they play out of conference next year, but, but I, I mean yeah. – there are nine wins to be had in the ACC. They just are. Mm. All right, we'll see how Norvell does with that one. So interesting that that was a New Year's Six game. We obviously had the semifinals on Saturday where LSU annihilated Oklahoma. And I know you're an LSU guy. Um, and, and then a great game with Ohio State and Clemson in the late night game where Clemson survived. I'm so sick about the officiating and the belly aching uh, of the Ohio State fans. Uh, get over yourselves. There were plenty of chances to make plays, win the game. Justin Fields threw the interception at the end, whether the receiver ran the wrong right or not, route or not. It's, it's a bad pass. It's a pick. Lawrence and Clemson rallied when Ohio State had them down. That has nothing to do with the refs. Those are my feelings. Quick, quick take from you, Ohio State. Uh, belly aching Clemson wins and, and I guess the bigger theme we'll, we'll talk about this for the next two weeks does Clemson have a real shot at hanging in with LSU what do you think about all that okay so we'll start with the Clemson game and, uh, and, and I'm with you I'm tired of the crying about the officiating. They could have put this game to bed if they score 24 points instead of 16 points. Like you just settle for field goals over and over and over again. This isn't basketball. This isn't NBA. You can't beat everybody with threes to death. Okay, you got to put up six. You got to put up seven. You got to get touchdowns. And and they do that, and they close the book on Clemson. Clemson can't come back. And the other thing that that I was, it is going to sound ugly or mean. But I think I'm okay with that. Ohio State fans have been chirping all year because it's been Ohio State and LSU one two one two. Y'all don't have a defense like us. Our defense got speed. We got power. We got this. We got that. I watched Chase Young not not hold the edge. You're talking about basic fundamentals. Is he a freak athlete? Absolutely. But he just made mistakes that you just aren't supposed to make at the level that he plays football on where you're the only person there protecting the edge, and he drops down and collapses down quickly. And Trevor Lawrence, who yeah. Trevor Lawrence and, 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 uh, and, and Joe Burrow are a lot alike in the sense of they're athletes, but they're not Lamar Jackson, okay? They're not Michael Vick. They're not the fastest guy on the field by any stretch of the imagination. They should not be running by you like you're standing still. They're able to do that because you made a mistake and you made a jump inside, and, and they took an angle on you and made you look bad. 
And I'm tired of listening to all the Ohio State people talk about how the speed they had on defense and Trevor Lawrence running a, I don't know, 4-8, just dusted them down the field for 60-something yards. Yeah. If nobody can catch that guy. <laughs> that's just not happening. That's just not happening. You know, if, if you've got legit speed, you had opportunities to make stops. They had opportunities to score more than they did, and they just didn't do it. And Clemson they didn't did. deserve it. Yep. No, they did. And, and LSU, and, and look, LSU, uh, exactly to your point, uh, just demonstrated uh, that the Big 12 does not play defense by and large. Oklahoma, we knew this. Oklahoma, by and large, hasn't That's played right. defense all year long. I can't say that a decisive win was a surprise. Did I expect seven touchdown passes from Burrow in the first half? No. But did I expect they were going to win by 14, 17, 21 points? I absolutely did and said so last week. So that was not that big of a surprise at all. No. And the thing I love about the LSU situation was not what we were able to score because everybody scored on Oklahoma. They can't stop anybody. That didn't surprise me. Oklahoma is probably the best offensive team that we played all year at LSU. And, and everybody criticized LSU because when they were beating Vandy by 30, you know, they let Vanderbilt come back and score 30, you know, points or whatever at the garbage time. And, and Ole Miss scored 37 in a game in which LSU never, never led by less than like three touchdowns. But that's okay. All of a sudden now LSU's defense is trash and, and they can't stop anybody. Whoa, 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 hold on. Hold on. Hang on. We got to beat these teams by 60 for you to respect us? Now we're going to take the best offense that we've played all year. One of the best offenses in all of football. I don't know where they rank, but I'm pretty sure they're, they're, they're single digits. And, and we just shut them down. We completely annihilated anything and everything that they thought they could possibly do in that game. And, and, and that was the most impressive part. It, what Joe Burrow did, we're gonna. I mean, they're gonna sing songs about him from now until the end of eternity in LSU history. Um, and 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 it was amazing. But what Dave Aranda and those guys on defense were able to do against one of the best offenses in football, and a guy that everyone assumes is the offensive guru and genius that every NFL team is clamoring over right now. All of that, and they were able to do nothing. Yep. Give LSU a lot of credit. I mean, seven touchdown passes in one half alone is crazy. It's like video games. And for it to be in a college football playoff semifinal, wow. And so that sets up Clemson and LSU. Plenty of time to dissect that, Tigers versus Tigers, when it all comes down. And these guys will be talking about it. That's the voice of Chris Giannini on the Winning Cures Everything podcast and YouTube show. Love their insight. Love having been on with them throughout the football season. Love getting Gary Seegers and Chris Giannini on with me. All right, so let's segue to the NFL playoffs coming into the weekend now, wild card weekend. And I, I'm not going to obligate uh, you guys, uh, whenever I have you on now from here on out with the NFL playoffs and the, and the college season over with, to pick three underdogs. You can have a couple or three or one or whatever you want to do. So this weekend you got four NFL games. Do you have one? Do you maybe have more than one that stands out? If so, why? I've got two. I've got two that I like as soon as I saw all the lines come out. One that I began to fall in love with as the line got bigger and bigger. Um, but we'll start with the very first game of Wild Card Weekend. This is the the uh, ESPN game. Um, Bills versus Texans. And and I think Buffalo's a pretty dang good football team. Now, this is a team that I was high on and rode all year. I had a season total bet over eight and a half 
with them before the season started, all my buddies laughed at me on that. Eight, <laughs> he thinks they're going to win nine football games. I said, I think they're pretty dang good. I love Sean McDermott. Um, here's what I need. I, I need Josh Allen to not turn the football over. If he can protect the football, I think they're going, they have a chance to win this game the same way they've won the first 10 games that they won, which is ball control, low scoring. They're going to control both lines of scrimmage. They're not going to give up big plays on defense. Um, and, uh, and, and they're going to field goal you to death and maybe bust one or two for a big play. And when they get in the red zone, the red zone offense, they, they kind of still go back to the early two thousands and late nineties football of just running a bunch of big guys out there and goal lining you to death, um, and running it in. They, they do a pretty good job of that. It, it's not what the convention does, which is spread everything out and throw, 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 um, but but they've got some horses in the barn, and uh, I, I think they're pretty good. And and once again, all year long, I have just been singing the praises before the season started. Sean McDermott is an elite-level NFL coach. If he had the talent that some of these other coaching staffs had, it would be crazy what you would see him be able to do. He just doesn't have the dudes in Buffalo. But the guys he's got, they love him. They fight for him. I think they're going to go down to Houston. I think they can win this game. Mm-mm-mm. And I saw the Texans two weekends ago, and I think they're there for the taking. I know J.J. Watt is going to try to play. How effective with the pectoral injury that's had him out for two months will he be in that game? And Houston in this spot has been beaten at home a couple of times before. Let's see what happens with the Bills, who already own the road wins late in the year at Dallas, at Pittsburgh. We're going to talk about this game more with Sal Capaccio in a little bit. One of the guests here on Three Dog Thursday, who's part of the Bills radio broadcast. He'll he'll give you a little more insight, but Chris Giannini loves the two and a half points right now on Three Dog Thursday for the Bills, depending on when you're hearing us for this matchup. All right, so I'm curious out of the other ones. Titans at New England, Minnesota, Sunday in the early game at New Orleans, Seattle at Philadelphia. You have one more you like on the wild card week, on the wild card weekend, Chris? I love Philadelphia this week. I have, and listen, this is a team that if you listen to Winning Cures Everything, I have rode them so hard, and not not in the good way. I have I have dumped all over them. This team has been so frustrating all year to watch and and, and see them play, and I think they've been overhyped and overpushed all year long. And now at the end of the year, when it matters, I think they have figured it out offensively. They don't have any wide receivers that are going to contribute a whole lot of anything. But they got two tight ends. A, a, a young man by Bill Belichick ran an offense like this for a while. That was pretty dang good. Get a couple of big tight ends that can catch the ball and are more athletic than anybody that can cover them and a, and a stable of running backs, and you can build an offense. And this is what Philadelphia has been doing the last couple of weeks. Goddard, Ertz, wide open in the middle all day long, and – and uh, Miles Sanders is, is just a, a young stud coming into this league as a rookie. I think he's taken it by storm. Then you got this undrafted guy that nobody has ever heard of before in Boston Scott. Yep. I, I, I just don't know. I don't know what happened to make this team gel the way they've gelled with all the injuries and all the chaos around Philadelphia all season. But I think that this team has confidence. I've always loved this defense. I think Fletcher Cox is one of the most underrated defensive players in all of football. Never gets the credit that he deserves, and he's a monster in the middle. Uh, and, and on the other side, 
Seattle hasn't played a normal game all year. If you go back and look at every game they've played, every one of them are weird and crazy and have these unbelievable endings. And and they're all close. I don't think they're beating anybody. I get two and a half point head start and open at a pick them and everybody has just hammered Seattle over and over and over again. Um, it's like 80-something percent of the bets in Vegas have come in on Seattle so far. You know what? Give me the Eagles. I'm at home. I get almost a field goal head start, and and I have no idea what kind of game plan Seattle's going to come in with. But this defense, I think, is going to be ready. I think they've been disrespected. Don't know if this Eagles team can go on a run like they did the year on the Super Bowl, but I absolutely think they're good enough and more talented enough to hang with Seattle and win this game. Well, and, and a couple of observations from me on this. Some of it, I know you're saying this, some of it is that Philadelphia was playing the Giants twice and the Redskins as well as the Cowboys at home. But And, and you know, because we've been talking on your show and on this show, that Jameis Winston got to the 30 interceptions. 33 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. He joins the 30-30 club uh, with Barry Bonds, with Jose Canseco in baseball for steals and home runs. Uh, what has Carson Wentz not done? He's not thrown the interception. Yes, he's had three turnovers, three fumbles in the four wins and the four straight wins, but not the key pick, not multiple picks. He stayed away from that, even with lesser talent. Uh, I, I think that's a big key. Don't turn it over. They are going to have to step up in competition. I really like Philadelphia, too, here. I may be taking them on Three Dog Thursday in this spot. The only thing that concerns me is Russell Wilson is a magician, and Seattle has been so good coming east, beating whomever, whether they've come east to beat Cleveland or come east recently to beat Carolina. On and on down the list, they have done a, a, a tremendous job of coming into the eastern time zone and winning games over the last four or five years. Years. So that's a very interesting spot for uh, for the Seahawks so, and for the Eagles. Just to, just to put a bullet point on that, this year, if you look at Seattle's run, all those teams that they came east to beat, they're all bad teams. Right, right. None of them finished with a good record at all. Um, and 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 I just wonder, can they come east and can they go off the road and have the road and, and have and they lost the good. mojo, Chris? Because they got beat at home by oh, Arizona. Yeah which was a shocker, and their defense is not what it was, and then they let San Francisco in basically a winner-take-all game for the division and the bye beat them at home. Did that take the mojo? What is it? I'm going to quote Austin Powers. Oh, no, my mojo! The mojo Is the mojo gone, Chris, from the Seahawks? You're thinking it might be. Now, I do make it a point to rarely bet against Russell Wilson. Love that man. He is just, but at some point in time, this is the NFL. You can't do it all by yourself. That's true. You just can't. That is true. All right, so this man takes the Bills, takes the Eagles. I know you guys have kind of been on a holiday hiatus. You picked the bowl games, but tell tell the fans more about how they find out about your show, not only the podcast, but the YouTube show. Tell them more, Chris Giannini, about Winning Cures Everything. Oh, yeah, no, we're still we still got bowl games coming, and we still picked all, we're still doing all the NFL all the way through. We're not going anywhere. And then even in the offseason, we're going to stay – Stay going on. WinningCuresEverything.com is our website. You can find us on any uh, Apple podcast, Google Play, any any place you can get uh, podcasts uh, at Winning Cures Everything. Find there. And then uh, on YouTube, Winning Cures Everything. Find us on Twitter at Winning Cures. My personal Twitter is at Chris B. Giannini. And Gary's is at Gary WCE. So you can follow us personally if you'd like. 
And, uh, no, we're still going to be plugging away all year long. Yep, there's still some bowl games this weekend they'll be talking about, and the playoffs will be rocking along. Again, winningcureseverything.com, and their show is simulcast, the podcast as well as the YouTube show. Go check out these uh, outstanding gentlemen on either one of those avenues. Happy New Year, my friend. Good luck with the underdogs this weekend in the NFL. And we got plenty of time to rev up for Tigers versus Tigers, LSU and Clemson in the Superdome. Uh, Chris Giannini, thank you on Three Dog Thursday. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Thanks for having me on. Still to come, we're talking Buffalo Bills with Sal Capaccio of the Bills Radio Broadcast. Sean Green will be here from the Sports Gambling Podcast later on in the show with more predictions, more underdogs forthcoming. In the meantime, I encourage you to download the Play Pick 6 app. How much do you think you know about these NFL playoffs or about that college football playoff championship game, college hoops, the NFL, the NBA, the NHL? will pick any six games in a given day for free, and you've got an opportunity to win a great prize through Play Pick 6. Download the app, go to the Google Play Store, go to the Apple Store, and get Play Pick 6. Pick those games for free. A sports restaurant gift card awaits you if you get all six correct. Mix and match the sports. Again, NFL, NBA, college hoops, NHL, whatever you want to do this time of year. Play Pick 6 is the app. You can go to playpick6.com to find out more. But go get the app in the Apple Store, the Google Play Store. Pick the six games. Mix and match all throughout the day. You can play this thing every day for free. Free, free, free. And a chance to win a sports restaurant gift card if you get all six correct. Show what you know by picking these games in the NFL playoffs, college hoops, the NBA regular season, the NHL regular season. Mix them, match them. Go to the uh, Google Play Store, the Apple Store. Download the app. Take a couple of minutes and sign up and play Pick 6. The dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is T.J. Reeves. We are ringing in the new year as part of Three Dog Thursday. Always love to catch up with the unelected mayor of Buffalo, New York. He is Sal Capaccio, Sal Sports WGR, Buffalo Bills radio broadcast. Oh, Bills and the Houston Texans. Happy New Year. Happy NFL playoffs. Good to have you back on Three Dog Thursday, partner. Yeah, you too, buddy. Hope you and uh, family and all your listeners had a uh, great new year. And it's it's fun to cover football in, in January, that's for sure. This is the second out of three years, so I'm a little bit spoiled in that regard after not having a chance <laughs> to have a playoff game in, 19, in 17 years. Yeah, it's been, a, it's been a while since the Bills were this relevant this late in the year, two times in three years, but that's a good thing. All right, let's pick up on that point. Uh, Western New York always fired up when when the Bills have been good. How fired up are they now to be a wild card team again? Oh, really fired up. I think that you know the difference was two years ago though. TJ was you know it came down to that Andy Dalton miraculous play against Baltimore that got the Bills in. You know and the Bills were in the locker room waiting, watching that game, fourth down, boom. Oh my gosh, how did we get here? You know we we just got in the playoffs when no one expected it. This year has been different. They've been on track all year. They they started off three and zero, lost the Patriots, but their season never wavered. They were really in the driver's seat for the wild card all season long. And in fact, they never moved out of that fifth spot. They never moved out of second place in the East and the number one overall wild card spot. It was really just, hey, let's keep the ship in the you know on track here, keep it steering the right way. And you know that's really what happened and what it came down to in the end. So now 
that we're here. I think, you know, people are feeling really good. I think most people wanted to have, you know, the Texans as the matchup looking around the East or the AFC and thinking other teams they could play. They believe that this is a matchup, and I do too, that, you know, the Bills could have some success in, in some areas. Uh, that's good. But I think more than anything, it's just the standard is changing here in Buffalo. For 17 years, uh, there really was none. It was a kind of a franchise trying to find its way, went through a lot of coaches and GMs and no playoffs, and then Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean arrived, and, you know, they get to the playoffs their first year, took the natural step back last year after they rebuilt the roster, and then, you know, here we are this year, and I think it's really about the standard being raised around here. No doubt. Um, you've been around McDermott now for this playoff run, as you just mentioned. If he's doing this kind of coaching job in a place like Chicago, Washington, D.C., to get them back, like what Rivera's going to try to do now that he's their new head coach, uh, it's revered in a, in a bigger market. Are we, are we not giving this enough credit nationally and all around sports and football and the NFL for Sean McDermott? Yeah, I think if Sean McDermott's not on a short list of your coach of the year candidates, then you're doing it wrong, basically. But I don't, I wouldn't say he deserves it. And, um, you know, I don't think he deserves, like, oh, my gosh, this has been the most amazing, miraculous job. I think you've been following along for three years. You've seen this coming. But, yeah, I, I think he deserves more credit than what it seems like he's getting nationally. But there's been a lot of great, you know, coaching jobs, and that might be why. You know, John Harbaugh, what he did, even Mike Tomlin, with all the yes. staff they have in Pittsburgh yes. this year, I think he did a really good job, right? Um, you know, there's been a lot of really good coaching jobs in the league this year, and that's probably why his has been a little bit overshadowed. But certainly, I think it's also because of the makeup of this team. Now, we could say all the time, it's Buffalo, it's a small market. Sure, you and I know that plays into it. They don't get the recognition individually or as a team sometimes. But really, it's the way this team's gone about their business. They, they're, they just, they're, they don't, they're not noisemakers, you know? I mean, when Rex was here, he was a carnival barker, and he was always out you know, making headlines some way, and the team wasn't good, or at least they were, you know, half their 500, basically. McDermott's not like that. You know, this is a team that just goes about its business every day. It does its business. It shows up to work. <laughs> Excuse me, and I think that that's why, you know, you don't really get all of that that goes along with it. Again, Sal Sportswomen here, Sal Capaccio. He's uh, ready for his 10-gallon hat, his large belt buckle, and his spurs and his boots. Headed to Houston Texans uh, for the Houston Texans, for the Bills and the Houston Texans in the first of the wildcard weekend playoff games on Saturday. You may be hearing us after that game on Saturday and already know what happened, but right now we're in the preview mode for that matchup. A lot of the fans have gotten to see the Bills on Thanksgiving Day on the Sunday night game that got flexed against the Steelers, the standalone Saturday game with the Patriots. We know a lot about Josh Allen, but what else about the supporting cast here uh, that gives uh, Buffalo, let's say, the puncher's chance there in H-Town? Well, you know, I think Tredavious White deserves serious consideration for NFL Defensive Player of the Year, and that may sound like high praise and come on to a lot of people, but if you really look at the numbers and what he's done, it's been pretty amazing. He leads the league in interceptions, tied with <laughs> Stephon Gilmore. And on top of that, not only is he lead the league in interceptions, hasn't allowed a touchdown all season. 599 snaps, six interceptions, no touchdowns. And TJ, he's doing it by covering the best of the best. He shadowed OBJ. He shadowed Devontae Parker. Uh, he shadowed every other team's best wide receiver this year. And you know that that was a, a remarkable season he's had. So I think that's number one where you start with how this team is. You know, kind of, again, flying under the radar a little bit on the names. On the offensive side, rookie Devin Singletary, you know him from down in Florida, FAU, 66 touchdowns in three years. Mm -hmm. uh, he just he, he reminds me a lot of Le'Veon Bell, the way he runs with the, the patience and vision that he has. And um, he's a little more powerful than people you know, give him the credit for. And then what a great signing it was for John Brown 
to be added to this team. And people thought he was just a vertical threat. He's really helped. I, I did my end-of-the-year awards for the Bills. I wrote a column on our website. I gave John Brown the offensive MVP, even though Josh Allen accounted for 29 touchdowns this year total. To me, it's Josh Brown, uh, John Brown, really, that uh, had the, uh, the best season, you know, over 1,000 yards. Uh, first time that that's happened in Buffalo since Sammy in 2014. You know, and they have a good, they have good young nucleus. Uh, Dawson Knox at tight end is a, been a really nice find. They revamped the offensive line, and Cody Ford is a rookie who's starting. Deion Dawkins, left tackle, that's been there a few years. And then on the defensive side, it's just, it's really more about the sum than it is the individual parts. I think that I believe they have the two best safety tandem in the league um, with Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. And then on top of that, you have great minds and Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier to allow them to really have a chance every single week. And they only allowed 16 points a year this year. That's second second best defense in the entire league behind only the Patriots. about that? And they put the squelch on, obviously, the Cowboys as well as the Steelers in two big road wins uh, late in the year. You know right. what's funny about that? Yeah. And, and can I say this? Listen. When the schedule came out, I don't think people realized, the Buffalo Bills were the only team in the entire NFL that did not have a primetime game schedule. The only one. And that's because it's Buffalo, it's small market, the ratings, but also the over-under in Vegas was six and a half. People didn't really, they don't have star power. Boy, that changed. Now, they did have the Thanksgiving game uh, scheduled, and that's not really a primetime game, but, you know, that was a national audience. And then it got flexed for the Sunday night, and then they got flexed for the Saturday thing, you know, in New England. So it, people are starting to notice the Bills, and the way I put it was, they, they had to answer some questions because I thought people really were wondering about them, TJ. And I think they answered some questions, and now it's time for them to kind of make more of a statement in here in the playoffs. Yep, and if you win and if you make the playoffs, you're going to be more relevant. They're going to put you in prime time and in bigger games. And eventually you win to where you're one of the only eight teams that are playing on the wild card weekend, and they don't have a choice but to put you in a standalone game. That's obviously how it works uh, here for the Bills going uh, to Houston. Uh, one more on Josh Allen because you're around him all the time. I- I'm sure most fans will look at this and say, is he? a guy that can put the team on his back and go win a playoff game we haven't seen that happen as of yet it's uh too early in his career he hasn't had the opportunity what's your read what what do you think about his ability at this stage of his career to lead the team if it has to be him and go get a playoff win you know i don't i don't think he's ready for that yet i don't i think if the defense you know breaks down and allows too many points you know, Josh Allen's not going to be able to bail them out because they don't have a good enough offense And beside him. It's not just him. You know, they're not ready there. They're, they're, they're still evolving as an offense. You know, they're not as talented as much as those guys had nice years like John Brown and Devin Singletary. Like I said, they're young. Uh, they're still going to add to this team. They're not quite there yet. But Josh, here's what he does do. He is really good in crunch time. He actually has, if he's not still, he might still be, I'm not sure, the best fourth quarter rating of any QB in the league. He's the only quarterback in the entire league, get this, T.J., uh, of regular starters who has zero interceptions in the fourth quarter this mm. year. Uh, that's how good he's been. He's had plenty of comebacks already. The kid is just, he's money when the chips are down. He's great at improvising, uh, going off script. Jesus, he's a gamer. He's super-duper competitive, and that's what I love about him. However, you know, I don't think he can go a full four quarters of having to put the team on his back and winning. That's just not a good recipe. Um, you know, he is prone to make some mistakes sometimes with decision-making because he does try to do a little too much, although way better at it uh, here in the last three quarters of the season uh, where he only th- turned the ball over three times since week five as far as interceptions. Um, they're not there yet, though. They, this is a team that relies on its defense and its special teams. And then Josh Allen and the offense, they can do just enough to help out. He's actually more of a game manager at this point, but I expect that next step to come. 
You know, and you know that I do what you do is, uh, again, Sal Capaccio with me. Sal Sports from the Buffalo Bills radio broadcast, part of their broadcast down on the sideline. Does a lot of pre- and post-game stuff as well with WGR Radio and the Bills radio broadcast. So when you say three interceptions in the last three quarters of the season, you know that what I've experienced with Jameis Winston where it's three interceptions in a game. And sometimes you may not throw for 300 yards. Jameis threw for 5,000 yards this year. But his team's not in the playoffs. The Bucs are not in the playoffs. Sometimes it is the mistakes that you don't make, Sal, that helps you still be alive in the postseason. Make the right plays in the fourth quarter and don't make wrong plays, too. 100%. You know, here's the other thing (laughs) on that note. The Bills actually have the longest drought right now in the league of not having a 300-yard passer. Josh Allen's never done it in two years. The last 300-yard passer was actually Tyrod Taylor in an overtime game (laughs) against the Dolphins under Rex Ryan a few years ago. And even then, if you go back before that, they did not have one uh, for the previous two or three years before that. They they just don't do that. It's not the kind of offense this team has. And there's there's actually a really good debate amongst Bills fans about that. Bills fans are like... Where's the 300-yard game? I want a guy who can throw for 300 yards. And then there's other Bills fans who say, who cares? Look at the wins. Look at all these other guys who do throw for 300 yards, and they're not getting their team to the playoffs. So, you know, I'd love to see Josh Allen be able to do that, and that goes back to what you just asked me. At some point, he's going to have to elevate his game where they can rely on him to get to 310, 320 yards to win a game. He doesn't have to right now, and they still won 10 games. Yep. No doubt. All right. You got to roll here in a bit. He's off to Houston. I, I saw the Texans a couple of weeks ago at field level. They're good. J.J. Watt uh, expected to play, but they're not great. I mean, Deshaun Watson is uh, elusive. He's a tremendous playmaker. DeAndre Hopkins can make some plays, but the Buccaneers really, by and large, did a good job of locking down Houston's defense. Again, it was the Winston interceptions that was a real turning point uh, for the matchup against the Texans, if you can stay away from the turnovers. Uh, we will see if the Bills can yeah. do that. i got to sneak you a, a quick thought from you. National title game yeah. is coming a week from Monday. we got to wait an extra week, extra time off for LSU and Clemson. I guess the biggest question is, even though they're the defending champs, how and can Clemson slow down LSU's pass offense with Joe Burrow? Do you believe they can? What kind of chance do you give the Tigers, the Clemson Tigers, in this game? Well, look, so far I want you to know this has all played out exactly how I thought it would. I've been saying all year, and I actually have, I actually <laughs> Is this documented? Wait a minute, is this documented? Yes. Okay, it's documented. I, I love that about you. Keep I've going. Said, I've said for weeks that LSU is the best team I've seen, and I've gone into the Bills locker room and I've said that to – players who were like Robert Foster went to Alabama. He's like, what are you talking about? LSU. I'm like, come on. Right. I know it's the way it goes, but they have, they're the best team I've seen. So I've, I've said, and I thought all along that Clemson would beat Ohio state and then LSU would win. And we'd get to this point. And that's where it is. Now, the one thing is Clemson is a very good team who I think people don't really realize how good they are. I think they're very well coached. Devil Sweeney gives them a chance every week, but I got to be honest, this is just, this is just a juggernaut that, that LSU has created. They are so good. Joe Burrow is just so calm and collected. He makes all the right reads and throws right now. Such a good college quarterback. I like Clemson a lot. When I was living in Florida, I had some connections down there to the coaching staff. Dabo actually vacations down in Boca Grande, mm-hmm. where nearby where I used to live. So I got some friends that know him. So I love I love Clemson. As from that respect, CJ Spiller and I are good friends, and I you know we're, we're texting each other about the Tigers. But I got to go against these guys right now i'm going to go with the lsu tigers because i just don't i I just don't see how anybody can slow them down and what they're doing tj and that offense is is tremendous and they can play just 
enough defense when they have to. I will say this, though. You give Brent Venables the extra week, and that's the same for both teams. They're going to come up with some exotic blitzes, coverages, some things maybe that LSU hasn't seen that they've been practicing since they started December practice, et cetera, et cetera. That's the only, you know, that's the variable that we wait to see. Because if they don't come up with some new and different things, then I don't know that Joe Burrows throws seven touchdowns in a first half again, but he's done this to everybody they've played. So that's the only variable that keeps it from being a one-sided LSU coronation. What do you think about Burrow as an NFL guy? I think he can succeed. It's got to be, you know, again, he reads defenses. He delivers the football. Um, I I don't see any reason why he should not be a a top-five pick and shouldn't be given that chance the downside is he goes to a terrible team if that's the case and who knows if he if he can succeed at that level but then again you know we've seen numerous quarterbacks come in from from Andrew Luck to Cam Newton high draft picks on and on down the list and uh and do good things at the top of the draft we'll find out if if Burrow can be that that latest I just hope we get a good game I hope we get a good game out of the uh, championship game in New Orleans I agree I I hope it's a good game I'm going to take LSU but um you know, I think that you're right. Clemson has an ability, at least, maybe to uh, not not only to, to stop them in some ways, but even to, to win the game on offense because they do also have you know dynamic players. I'll say this about what your point was about going to uh, where he goes, Burrow, and it's not to me, it's not that team. And I know you mean this too, but it's, it's organization really, and and I've seen that here. This is a this is a great podcast for another day when we can chat sometime <laughs> on the radio or podcast. But you know, I've I've seen it now. I've seen and I've used this example. If you put Josh Allen with the Jets, and you put Sam Darnold with the Bills, I think Sam Darnold is thriving. I think Josh Allen's a disaster. I just, you know, you look at the organizations and the, right. the player development and the cultivation of these guys. Baker you, Mayfield. You can't Cleveland, convince me to your like Mayfield. Right. Same thing, and they yeah. fire the coach because they saw it. You cannot convince yep. me that Lamar Jackson's MVP season would have happened just anywhere else, and it's not because no John way. Harbaugh and Greg Roman didn't tailor the defense, coach him, or tailor the offense, coach him up, get him to succeed. That does have a big part of it. The organization, the coaching staff, on whether or not you're going to succeed. And if Burrow ends up with the Bengals, God love him. God help him if, if that's what it is. We'll see. Totally agree with you, buddy. We totally will find agree out. with you. I see it firsthand here. Absolutely. I, uh, I agree with this guy, Sal Capaccio. Follow him at Sal Sports on Twitter. Does a fantastic job. He'll be tweeting away. He'll be part of the Bills radio broadcast. Saturday AFC wildcard game kicks it off with the Buffalo Bills and the Houston Texans in the AFC wildcard before that Patriots-Titans game uh, that night in the wildcard matchup in New England. Good luck. Have a blast in the playoff matchup. Always love talking with you. Happy New Year to you and your wife and the little guy, Max. Love it. Love it, Sal Sports. Thank you for being on Three Dog Thursday. All right, you too, buddy. Thank you. Happy New Year to you and all my friends back down there in Florida. Would not be ringing in the new year appropriately if we did not get a chance to say hello on the West Coast from where I am in Florida to Sean Green of the Sports Gambling Podcast. Happy New Year to you. Your co-host, Ryan Kramer, you guys do a great job with your show and uh, and handicapping away. I know you were not with us last week because of the Christmas holiday and the holiday season has now been New Year's and we head into 2020 now in the NFL playoffs. First of all, how are things surviving the holiday season and, and the end of the NFL regular season and all the bowl games, etc.? How has it gone, my friend? Great. Yeah, you know, uh, doing a lot of traveling. It's always, uh, it's always unfortunate if you've ever been on a flight watching a game and then having it not work out, and then you're yelling on the plane and scaring <laughs> everyone. 
that was me in the belt bowl watching a Virginia tech. Uh, you know, that was a real, that was a real tough beat. Cause I, I really liked them to win that game outright. And then, man, they just could not get a stop to end that game. Well, and uh, and we, as I, as I made mention back at the beginning of the show, we've had some bowl success. I had Virginia uh, Monday night in that Orange Bowl with Florida, and it took right until the end to get the backdoor cover, the late touchdown, as it looked like Florida was going to run away with that game. You just don't know in some of these bowl games. I will make mention at the time that we're taping the Rose Bowl uh, concluded on Wednesday uh, here for Three Dog Thursday. And Oregon, a team that you liked an awful lot throughout the year, did oh, cover yeah. as the underdog and got the outright win against Wisconsin, finishing 12-2 and as the Pac-12 champions. Nice way to finish off the season. And, Sean, you were on to them early. Yes, I was on to them early and often. Uh, I had them uh, winning the Rose Bowl. That was my dog in one of our bowl picks podcasts. But, yeah, I mean, God, just keep kicking myself, thinking the way they mishandled that Auburn game uh, early on in the season. Otherwise, maybe they're in the national championship or that Arizona State game, which they really should have figured out a way to win. But, yeah, uh, I thought they were going to have a really good season. And, I mean, you know, 12-2 and winning the Rose Bowl, I think, was a very good season for them. Uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, Herbert at the next level, but yeah, solid, uh, solid year overall for uh, Oregon. Definitely got to give them a lot of credit for the way that they continued to battle on and uh, and play. So uh, we'll see how all of this shakes out with LSU and Clemson. We've been talking about that some early on in the podcast. Tigers versus Tigers in the Superdome, not this coming Monday, but we get the extra time off. All right, I haven't asked this to the other guests, but I'm curious for your take. Do you think we'll get a better championship game with the extra week or so, Sean Green, here in between? Because typically they've only been taking the eight, nine days where uh, the the game would be the following week. I totally understand here, uh, you know, you have New Year's in the middle, but, I mean, they played those semifinal games last Saturday, could have played them on Monday the 6th. They're winning until uh, Monday the 13th. Build it up a little more, two weeks, kind of like the Super Bowl. Think we'll get a better game because of that? Uh, Yeah, it certainly can't hurt. And it's always that, uh, you know, debate of rest versus rust. I mean, these teams, you know, Clemson and LSU moving on. I mean, how much time did LSU take off in between the end of the regular season and their first college football playoff game? And uh, certainly Joe Burrow looked like, uh, you know, he wow. was in great shape. I mean, that was insane. I I, I, uh, I loved LSU to uh, make a run, but I, I thought I thought Oklahoma would show up a little bit. I mean, everyone's talking about Lincoln Riley moving on to the next level, and as an Eagles fan, I would certainly like to see uh, a guy like Lincoln Riley, who struggled in the postseason and just let up seven passing touchdowns there in the first <laughs> half, uh, or whatever it was. I'd love to see him head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. So interesting to see what happens to the Oklahoma program and uh, Lincoln kind of moving forward. But yeah, I, I think it'll help a little bit. Um, but either way, I again should be should be a good game. But um, will be interesting to see because normally. You'd want to fade this LSU team because it's such a blowout win and the line has swung so much. But then it's like, can you really bet against LSU right now? And and, oh, like they're just dialed in. And then Clemson, the other team, is like, man, they've won what? You know, 20 something in a row? Like they're also another team that's impossible to bet against. Uh, I got to think about it a little bit more, but I'll I'll eventually find a team to bet against because I got to bet on the game. But uh, yeah, it should be a good game for sure. 
No doubt. And again, they'll talk more about that, obviously, on the Sports Gambling Podcast. Coming episodes, Ryan Kramer and Sean Green hang out on that podcast. Sean's always with us when he gets an opportunity here on Three Dog Thursday. All right, so there's a lot of college uh, football. We've got the NFL playoffs coming this weekend. I can't see you, but typically you have on something Eagles hat, shirt. Did you get an (laughs) NFC East shirt or hat off of the clinching wins uh, the last couple of weekends, they beat the Cowboys at home, and they went to New York and got the clinching win to make the playoffs, winning the division at nine and seven. You got to be smiling. the The Eagles are in. Yeah, I mean that was that's been a great run there, four games in a row, and uh, certainly the critics will you know discredit the level of competition in the NFC East, but they're NFC East games. They're still division games, and they're and certainly the Cowboys. We're coming in with a decent amount of talent and the litany of injuries that the Eagles have survived. And it really, it truly is next man up. I mean, I follow the team uh, very, very closely. And there were a couple of guys that, that caught passes uh, last Sunday against the Giants. And I had to go, who is that guy? <laughs> What's going on? And I can't remember how many times that's happened. But uh, yeah, I mean, this team has really rallied around. I mean, there's just been a light switch since the first half of that uh, Giants game a month ago. Um, you know, they came back, uh, won the game in overtime, and they've just been on a roll as far as the team buying in. And I, I really do think there was some, I don't know what you'd call it, dissension in the locker room, whatever it was, getting Alshon Jeffrey and Nelson Aguilar out of the out of there in the passing game, you think would have hurt them, losing veterans like that, but these young guys are really going out of their way to help Wentz and make plays for Wentz. And he seems to just be gelling uh, much better with them. And you're bringing in guys up the practice squad, like Boston Scott and Greg Ward, who uh, guys that were, weren't even with the team. And uh, there's an interesting stat. I think 12 of the 13 completions Wentz had last week were to guys who were undrafted. Mm-mm-mm. Um, so they're really just kind of, you know, putting it together and uh Yeah. So, yeah, I'm definitely excited. I didn't get a shirt. I uh, I kind of just wait until the Super Bowl shirt normally for stuff like that because, uh, I don't know, if they lose – you know, if they lose this first game, am I really going to be bragging about winning the NFC East? It's just, it's just not quite as fun. <laughs> so, I usually wait for – you know, get like a regular shirt, jerseys. Those are cool. But as far as like the results, I wait until they win the Super Bowl. I understand that. So, all of that – being said, what do you think here on the Eagles and the Seahawks? It's the last of the four wild card Sunday games, the 440 Eastern time, 140 in the West Coast, Seattle coming all the way east. Do you like the Eagles in this spot? It's now, as you mentioned, swung from them being favored to them being a one and a half or two point underdog. Line may go up or down uh, in the coming couple of days, depending on when you're hearing us. But right now they're an underdog. Are they a tasty underdog, Sean Green, the Eagles? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't need to do much to convince me to back this current uh, iteration of this Eagles team. They really are rallying around Wentz. And uh, you look at the, the home and road splits of their defense have really been dramatic. Uh, their defense showed up last week against the Giants on the road. But really, this defense has been a completely other defense, uh, you know, completely different defense at home you have to go back to september 22nd against the lions to find a game in which they let up more than uh 20 points and their 
they're doing it ugly at times, but they're just not letting up a lot of points. And now you bring in the Eagles offense, which has, which has a little bit of mojo going now, some momentum, uh, some playmakers, uh, you know, helping Wentz out. And I really think it sets up well for them. You go back to the uh, game, the Seahawks played against the Eagles. Uh, what was it like a month and a half ago? And uh, yeah, Seattle won 17 to 10, but that was an ugly game. And, and the defense actually played really well. They sacked, Russell Wilson six times and got an interception. It was just the offense couldn't do anything. The offense had no momentum. They weren't converting third downs. Wentz was missing throws, and all those things are gone now. I mean, the the, the offense is converting on third down at a high clip. Wentz is uh, much more accurate than he was earlier in the season. They're just flat out making plays. Then, I mean, you compare to the previous game, Seattle had Chris Carson, um, Rashad Penny, and they really like to – set up their passing game by running it a ton and then using play action with Russell Wilson. So I think it's really going to be tough for them to put points on the board against this Eagles defense. And I, I think the Eagles will have some success against Seattle's defense. Really the, the, the matchup to me that really favors the Eagles that I'm really excited about is the Eagles defensive line against this banged up Seattle off Seattle's offensive line. Um, you know, Derek Barnett had two sacks last week. We were seeing Fletcher Cox makes plays, uh, Brandon Graham. So, I think this defense has a chance to go after the Seahawks. And I just uh, I love their home field advantage. Yeah, it's going to be wild. Uh, Philadelphia able to get the East title, able to get the home game uh, here against Seattle. We will find out what they have for them. So you like them. That's the one underdog you like out of the weekend. I'm tempted by that one, too. I, I just I look at all, uh, uh, you know, we talked a lot about Buffalo and Houston uh, earlier in the in the podcast here and the uh, the Bills' chances in that one. We haven't really talked much about the other two games. I, I'm not in the camp of Tennessee Saturday night in New England, again, depending on when you're listening to us, or the Sunday early Minnesota at New Orleans. I don't like the Vikings in, in both of those spots. I, if I was looking at one of the teams, it would probably be Tennessee, just because New England's had so much trouble scoring. I mean, they were they were stunned last week to let the Dolphins drive basically 80 yards in the final two minutes and beat them and cost them the bye. They had already locked up the division in the home game, but cost them the bye in doing that. I'm just concerned with Tennessee's physical defense. New England can't score, so maybe Maybe out of the two, I, I think Minnesota, wrong place, wrong time. I think the Saints are going to hammer them. I'm not touching them. Oh, yeah. Maybe Tennessee hangs in with New England. Sean, I'm not asking you to take them, but maybe they do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the case for Tennessee, like you said, uh, physical defense and, and very physical on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, if you're a, if you're a linebacker or a defensive lineman or safety, do you really want to have to tackle a guy like Derrick Henry? Last six games, he's averaged over 149 yards and put up 10 touchdowns. And you look at Ryan Tannehill, it's like, where was this Ryan Tannehill with, uh, when he was on the Dolphins? Right. I, I definitely think you have to kind of blame Adam Gase for that. There's too many people that are playing much better outside of Adam Gase for it just to be <laughs> uh, a weird Miami thing. So Adam Gase not looking good. But, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I, I definitely think you could probably make a case there for Tennessee – I'm kind of leaning the same way. I haven't uh, done all the numbers on the Saints game, but man, the Saints seem like just uh, salivating for a chance at revenge against this Minnesota team. Yeah, opportunity to rectify the Minnesota miracle where they scored on the play in the final minute on the fourth down play to beat 
uh, the Saints uh, back a couple of years ago in the playoff matchup. All right, so we'll see what happens here with the wild card playoffs. Again, you're going to be breaking all of these uh, games down as part of your podcast. I know you'll have plenty in advance of the championship game with LSU and Clemson. Plug away for those hearing us here on Three Dog Thursday on how they find more of your stuff with what you do on the Sports Gambling Podcast, sir. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just give us, uh, you know, three days a week, sportsgamblingpodcast.com. And then we have a whole podcast network doing uh, stuff on the English Premier League, NBA, uh, college basketball, college football. We really cover it all. We give out a ton of free picks. And, uh, you know, we always encourage the listeners to come send in their picks. And, uh, yeah, we got a little whole community going. So, yeah, check us out, sportsgamblingpodcast.com, and give us a follow on Twitter at Gambling Podcast. Indeed. Follow this guy as well, Sean T. Green, S-E-A-N, Sean T. Green as well on Twitter. And he will go with the Eagles as his only official underdog pick of this weekend. Uh, We encourage you to find their stuff, their programming uh, with the podcast and on the web for more of the picks there from the Sports Gambling Podcast. Happy New Year, my friend, to you. We'll see how the Eagles do. Happy New Year to you. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch all of this unfold, and we'll hop back on again as it's the divisional round of the playoffs next week. Good luck to your Eagles. Let's see what happens, Sean Green. We thank you, sir. All right, thank you. And there he goes. Thank you to Sean Green there for the Sports Gambling Podcast. And that'll do it for this edition of Three Dog Thursday. Again, I'm not going with three different underdogs. The only one that I will agree on is the Eagles as the home dog with the Seahawks. Again, I think the magic has run out for Seattle. And it's uh, it's interesting that that line has moved some three points from when it opened right now on Three Dog Thursday for Philadelphia. If you're listening on the weekend, the line may have gone up or down by the time Sunday afternoon and the late game goes. But I'll take Philly at home with the points at the time that we're taping the podcast here for Carson Wentz and company to find a way. Just don't like the Bills enough or the Titans enough in New England, or the Vikings. I think the the Saints may blow them out in that early playoff game in the NFC playoffs. And we'll talk much more about whether or not uh, Clemson can hang with LSU in the college football playoff championship game. That one coming next week. My thanks to Chris Giannini uh, there with the Winning Cures Everything podcast. He likes the Bills in the matchup with the Texans and also likes the Eagles. Thanks to Sal Capaccio with the Bills radio broadcast. He'll be on the uh, play-by-play call for that matchup that is upcoming with uh, the uh, Texans trying to win in the first wildcard game. The Bills trying to pull the upset in that one. And Sean Green, Sports Gambling Podcast with us as well. Go find his podcast with all the gambling picks. We're done here. Again, a reminder to subscribe to Three Dog Thursday via iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Podcast comes automatically to you on Thursdays. You don't even have to wait to download it or find a social media link. It'll come right to your device your handheld device, your iPad, etc. Also, you can hear this podcast via Alexa or your Google Echo or your Google Dot. Just tell your Alexa or your uh, or your Echo or your Dot to play Three Dog Thursday on Apple Podcasts, and the podcast will play the freshest, newest edition of Three Dog Thursday plays automatically by asking it to play through Three Dog Thursday and the Apple Podcast fleet of podcasts and that network. So again, uh, feel free. Some of you got that for a gift this year for the holidays, for Christmas, your Alexa, your Google Dot. uh, However you found this link, just play the newest one. Say, play Three Dog Thursday 
on Apple Podcasts. There you go. That's the show. Good luck to my guests and their underdogs. Again, I like the Eagles this weekend in the NFL playoffs. We'll come back next week with show number two of 2020, talking divisional round of the playoffs with the winners this weekend, meeting the likes of the Packers and uh, and also the 49ers, as well as the Ravens and the Chiefs. They'll be in action next weekend, and we'll talk more about LSU and Clemson as well. I'm TJ Reeves, and thank you for being with me as part of the only digital radio show devoted exclusively to underdogs. It is Three Dog Thursday. Bye.